go into this year expecting to consume over three hours of Creflo Dollar's preaching. Alas, here we are. If you hadn't heard, Creflo Dollar recently came out and seemingly recanted his initial position on tithing. If you didn't know who Creflo Dollar is, he is a famous prosperity preacher known for saying things like this. If I want to believe God for a $65 million plane, you cannot stop me. And this. We point our doozies right at all those non-tithing members because we want God to come to church. And at the count of three Jesuses, we shoot them all dead. And then we take them out the side door there, have a big hole, bury them, and go ahead and have church and have the anointing. And he's also one of the people highlighted in the documentary American Gospel, highlighting some of the prosperity preachers like him and Joel Osteen. But recently, it seems his tone has changed. If you can recall over those last two and a half years, I don't think you heard me say tithing much at all. <laughs> So in this video, we'll be reacting to a couple of clips from his past two weeks of sermons, some areas I strongly agree with him on, and examining if there are other areas he may still be falling short. Bruce Lawn. This is going to be a fascinating video, and I need you to commit to watching towards the end, because I promise you there's going to be a very practical takeaway that every single person can implement from this if you want to help smash that like button push this up the algorithm, all that good stuff. It's like, so this is the quote, quote that's been floating around on TikTok. And then we're going to get into some other clips, an area I think he's still in some serious error in, and ultimately the practical solution to all of this. So check this out. I want to start off by saying to you that I'm still growing and that the teachings that I've shared in times past on the subject of tithing were not correct. And today I stand in, in humility to correct some things that I've taught for years and believed for years, but could never under, understand it clearly because I had not yet been confronted with the gospel of grace, which has made the difference. Hmm. I won't apologize because if it wasn't for me going down that route, I would have never ended up where I am right now. So he says he's never been confronted with the gospel of grace and he won't apologize for it because he had he not gone down this route, he wouldn't have ended up where he is right now. OK, so let's keep watching that. I have no shame at all at saying to you, throw away every book, every tape and every video I ever did on the subject of tithing, unless it lines up with this. I've, I've done some corrective teaching in the, in, the, in the last 10 years, but not to the degree of what we're getting ready to do now. Hmm. So why this man just said, throw away every single book he's done on this topic. And he said some wild stuff about this topic, as hopefully you guys all saw in the intro. Now, the question is, is this, is this him seemingly repenting of preaching a prosperity gospel? Or is this him aligning with a more orthodox view of tithing. I did a little bit of research, by the way. The view that the tithe is applicable to Christians today is actually a minority view found in only specific Protestant circles. If you look at the Eastern Orthodox Church, they don't believe in a tithe. If you look at the Oriental uh, Church, like the Ethiopian, the Armenian Orthodox Church, they don't believe in a tithe. If you look at Catholics, they don't believe in a tithe. They actually recommend 5%. And only a minority group of Protestant churches actually recommend a tithe. Because religion is sustained by two factors, fear and guilt. 
And this has happened before. Guys like Benny Hinn have came out and said things similar to this, that he's no longer going to preach the same aspects of his ministry. I'm going to play you guys some more of his stuff here. Johnny Blue. If 10% is the standard, then consider what happens to Johnny Blue. All right, tell us about Johnny Blue. A new believer. You just met him at Bible study on Wednesday night for the first time. Johnny Blue earns $806 per month take home. It's about uh, $9,672 for a year. Okay. Probably below the poverty line in America. That is below the poverty line in America, uh, Creflo. To tithe, he would have to give $80 each month, leaving him $726 to live on. And rent for his modest apartment was $500 per month. His teenage son lived with him. Uh oh. And he took care of another son on the weekend. What we call him? Johnny Blue? Johnny Blue heard his pastor teaching on tithing, and on the next Wednesday, he asked Sister Ann, should he give 10%? He, he said, I, could, I couldn't make it if I did that. Now, would you, have, would you advise Johnny Blue to tithe? Yeah, based on what we all been taught, you would. <laughs> Because Yo, based on what you've taught them, they would. <laughs> you were taught that that was the magic pill. And real magic pill was just, I'm depending on God. And I'm going to give what God tell me to give. Because if he had a problem with the 10, what was that, what was that widow woman going to do? She didn't have no 10%. She just had a, a widow's might. And Jesus said she gave more than everybody in the place. This is from this past Sunday. And now he's going, because the pushback to this is going to be, well, the tithe predates the Mosaic law. And he tackles this going all the way back to Genesis. All right. So check this out. I'm going to be able to worship God. And I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. My giving is a worship to God because he takes care of me. Now, tithe equals tenth, but not in the same sense that it is viewed under the Mosaic law. They are giving out of an, an, an expression of their gratitude to what God has done. Mm. And so here we see something that's pretty amazing. God met Jacob at Bethel and promised him covenant blessings. And the patriarch promised God a tenth of everything granted to him. And he now is expressing, he's responding to God's ability to take care of him. He's making a declaration of God's dependence or his dependence upon God. That's, we hadn't been taught that. We've been taught out of fear and out of guilt. Give tenth, give your tithe, and God will bless you. You don't, you are cursed, and you are a robber. And, and, and if you're a robber, why would I let a robber join the choir? Why would I let a robber usher in? I don't want people being ushered in by robbers. Why would I let a robber? I think this is significant. I think this is a step in the right direction. All right. I think this is a step in the right direction. And you guys can watch the messages again. There's, there's a lot in here that I think is helpful with regards to having a healthy view of this, right? Because he addresses all the passages in Genesis. He, and, and, I, and I've heard this before. Like most folks who go, go to churches, we've heard this explained. We heard why Jesus spoke about the tithe. We heard what the New Testament requirements are. He talks about Paul not requiring the tithe, Acts 15. He literally does a very exhaustive teaching on this topic and where many Followers of Jesus land, which it's, it's not about a law, it's not about a percentage, it's about the heart and it's about generosity. And that is significant for the broader conversation. So I'll reveal where we are with our 
giving. Um, we are very fortunate. We're very blessed. And we do above and beyond 10% to our local church. We do above and beyond that plus other charities and ministries that we support. So we think it's a, it's a good rule of thumb, right? But it's not uh, if you do it or you don't do it, you're not blessed. And, and, and again, this is where I'm like, yes, Creflo, like, this dude is knocking out of the park on this specific topic in that we are called to give out of generosity because Jesus has done so much for us. We give out of generosity and that's going to be relative not to the percentage, not even to the amount, but to the sacrifice and what is generosity for you in this season. The single mother's degree of generosity is going to be different than the gentleman that makes 250000 a year. On top of which he keeps pointing out that the vast majority of folks in church don't tithe. So why do you keep teaching this? Why did he keep teaching that? So there's there's a whole lot going on. And I'm going to get to where I, I think he's still problematic. But I want to just first point out this idea of biblical literacy that he's been, how, how long has he been preaching this stuff? And he's just now coming to a more orthodox view of this concept of tithing, right? That that's, that just says a lot for just the lack of biblical literacy, not just amongst Christians, but amongst cl- seemingly clergy, right? That you can sprout up ministries and do this entire thing, which is why those of you guys that are followers of Jesus, we have the free Master My Devo course where I just give you the very, 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 very basics on how you can learn to study the Bible for yourself, how you can learn to cook for yourself. That is essential. That is something that I think we need more of. And so I'm kind of like taken aback of like, bro, 30 years later, 30 years later, and you're finally coming to this conclusion. Now, I think, I'm I'm hoping, I don't know, but maybe he'll continue evolving and growing and changing some of his views and that he's not using manipulation and fear and guilt in in these tactics. He's grown in this area. Maybe he'll continue uh, uh, changing in this. But here is where I still find some of his stuff problematic. And then we're going to get to like a very, very practical thing that I think everybody here needs with regards how we view this entire conversation around money. So this is still where the messages are going to go. So listen to what he says. Now, right along here now, some of y'all feeling, I don't want to hear this prosperity gospel. You better get your thinking right. This is more than prosperity gospel. This is a declaration of dependence upon God to take care of you. Because I promise you. So he says prosperity gospel. So he's not recanting the prosperity gospel. And then he says this is a declaration of God to take care of you. Okay, now I'm going to get into why this is problematic here in a second. So listen to what he goes on to say. There's coming a time real soon where you're going to need somebody like God to take care of you because ain't nobody else going to be around to take care of you. And I'm just trying to show you how to get taken care of. And I'm trying to show you how to get your bag when you need it by trusting God and not trusting systems and men that's going to let you down. How is it that God healed you? God delivered you? God saved you? But then he ain't got nothing to do with you where physical, natural things are concerned. He wants to meet those needs as well. Something must be crackerjack in your head that you think God just want to sit back and let you be homeless and suffer. And No, he's not that kind of God where you just preaching it for your own benefit. Listen, I'm not going to apologize for being blessed, but believe me, I'm blessed. I keep trying to give it away and it keep coming back. I keep trying to get rid of it and it keep coming back. If something is truth, it has to be universally truth. He says stuff like God doesn't want you to be homeless. God doesn't want you to be sick. God is right. It's that is the crux of the prosperity gospel. And so here lies the tension, because if something is truth, it has to be truth for all Christians everywhere. And is that true? It's not. What do I mean? I mean that there's people in parts of China right now that are running underground churches who love Jesus with everything they have, that 
are probably homeless or are probably suffering or are probably struggling or are probably in positions of experiencing suffer. Jesus told us that in this life, we will have trouble. We follow a God who laid down his life and suffered for his enemies. Okay. So there is going to be trouble. There is going to be suffering. And I think he's presenting it as like a Matthew six, depend on God. He will write like, don't worry about these things. So I think there's, there's, there's a tension here in that. Yes. Matthew six, right? Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries. God's going to provide uh, like the lilies and the flowers. But when you start changing everything into a materialistic side, and this is where we're going to get into the nitty gritty here in just a second. I think it, it, it becomes a omitted reality of what most people go to and it's based on his experience yes he's blessed but why and how did that even happen like sometimes very successful people struggle in understanding how they became successful it's like they 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 can't retrace their steps and articulate what they actually did so we're going to get into that here in just a second but let me let me play some more of this i want to give because i'm motivated by a god who who won't stop giving to me He, he gives me healing he gives me peace he gives me love he wakes me up in the now does god always heal no does god always give you your dreams and your desires no, because sometimes if he gives you your dreams and your desires, it'll destroy you. Proverbs says that an inheritance attained too early in life is not a blessing in the end. The whole story of the prodigal son is getting your inheritance too early in life. Most people don't reach their peak income until their 40s. So this 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 uh, uh, approach to how blessings and money are talked about, I think, is very shortcoming because one, it doesn't give no practical utility outside of just have faith. And then two, you're omitting that a lot of folks are going to go through struggles and suffering. And God often uses that to sanctify us and conform us more and more into becoming like Jesus. And he told me to come to the stage and there's a Rolls Royce came out there and I fell out. And then I thought, oh Lord. <laughs> These colored people gonna think I stole money. Man just said color These colored people gonna think I stole money and bought a Rolls Royce. And half the colors are in the room. Y'all see y'all giving it to me? I kid you not. A week later, my sons came together. We had the gathering of our sons come together. And they said, Dad, we got a surprise. What is it? Walked outside, it was another Rolls Royce. I, I, I told Tabby, I said, I'm scared. I don't even know what to do. I don't even know what to do. I could not even receive from God because I was so in bondage to people. I was so scared. People think, and, so, and so I gave the first Rolls Royce, I gave it away. Because I, I, was on, I was doing interviews, I think I was on 2020. And they said, so you have a Rolls Royce? And I said, yes, but I'm giving it and selling it and giving the money to the children's ministry. And I thought that was satisfied. And guess who talked to me immediately after the interview? God. He said, I gave that to you because I wanted to bless you. And you let people bondage cause you to give away what I blessed you with. I felt so bad. I called my son. I said, listen, go find that Rolls Royce. He said, how? I said, go find it. I don't care what you got to do. Score around the nation and every state you got to. But you find that Rolls Royce. That was God's love that he was trying to show on me. And I let people bondage talk me out. And that was the year I got free from people, free from colored folks, free from church folks. I got free from white folks. I got free from everybody. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. So notice that the conversation still sways back into God wants to give him a Rolls Royce and then another Rolls Royce and then right. And so some of the desire, I guess, is to 
give it back, which is which is great. That's awesome. Like, yes, if you have money, I'm, I'm going to put this together for us. I promise you, just wait, just 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 stay with me towards the end because there's a better there's a better way of this. Okay, but first, I want to highlight something that I recently heard that I think is extremely helpful to how a lot of us need to rethink this entire conversation. Okay, check this out. This is my brother, Pastor uh, Kirk Kennedy. He pastors a church in D.C., friend of the channels. Um, and I want you to really consider what Kirk is saying here, because I think this is a deeper issue. And then I'm going to get into some of the practicalities of how I, how all of this works and where I think like the, the deeper um, shortcoming of this is. Okay, so listen. To redefine what blessing is. I run into many people who say, man, I'm, I'm hoping that the Lord blesses me with this job. And I'm hoping that we think of blessing as sort of either an affirmation of things that we've worked hard to achieve or desires that we have. So did you, did you catch it? Let me pull it back. We need to redefine what blessing is. We need to redefine what blessing is. Listen, Linda, listen. And many people who say, man, I'm, I'm hoping that the Lord blesses me with this job. And I'm hoping that we think of blessing as sort of either an affirmation of things that we've worked hard to achieve or desires that we have. Redefine blessing. Come on. Here's the blessing based on Daniel 4. The fact that you actually can breathe and that you can think cognitively, like the fact that you are watching me live, you were able to get the notification, understand what it means, click on the button, watch me live, even give comments. The fact that you and I can do any of that is 100% the Lord giving us the ability to do it. Because if he says you're no longer going to remember where you live, guess what? You will not find your way home. It's that. So like when, when God did this to Nebuchadnezzar, this was flexing, fam. This was God. What's that for? So he's referencing Daniel chapter four, and he and he's talking about how God in, in Daniel chapter four talks about that God God was the one holding together Nebuchadnezzar's mind, and he says a blessing. We need to redefine it to just even understand what a blessing is. That it's not just a it's not a material thing. It's the fact that you are engaged and and, and sentient and in and, and present and have a will and a consciousness. Your arms are too short to box with God. Fam, you won't even know what arms are unless the Lord gives you the cognitive ability to know what they are. We need to redefine blessing and not look at it as something that we hope we get, but something that we have every moment of every day. Something that we have every moment and of, of every day. The fact that I am able to cognitively communicate this to you without any disruption, and I know what I'm talking about, is only because the Lord is allowing it. If the Lord said right now, Kurt's not going to have any idea where he is or what he's talking about. I would be like my granddad. Wait a minute. What am I doing? Why am I recording live? What's happening here? It's God who gives us the cognitive abilities to even be a human being. So we're made in his image, but ultimately what separates us from the animals is God's sovereignty. What Daniel 4 is saying is you and I, can't even be a human being unless the Lord says you're a human being. You and I Sheesh. can't choose them unless the Lord says, I'm going to allow you to choose me. The idea that some of us have certain capacities and others may not, others may have had tragedy, others may have had things happen that, that that's caused suffering, that's maybe even caused them to not have a sound mind or able body, regardless on all those things. Here, here is the, the crux of why this type of preaching is incomplete in terms of Creflo. Here it is. When you're talking about everything in 
the blessing being a materialistic thing, which is there's nothing wrong with having money or having a car or having clothes or shelter or any of those things. We need all those things, and I believe God will, can, and does provide those things. But when we're, when everything in the blessing sense is connected to the material side, but the way to get there is from some sort of spiritual side, which you're really doing is you're sliding into a, a type of Gnosticism. And if you don't know what Gnosticism, the Gnostics, they were controversial because in the early church, they were the ones that were viewing everything as spiritual and not viewing material or the physical world as something that was necessary. And later on, they, they were rejected and the Gnostic Gospels didn't make it in because it was heresy, because everything's not spiritual, because we're both spirit and physical material body. And so later on, St. Aquinas came around and he, he, he coined this kind of idea of natural law. And you see it in Romans chapter one. And the issue is that sometimes we'll over-spiritualize everything and we'll connect everything to whether I give, whether I don't, whether God is going to miraculously bless me and give me. And the thing about natural law is that there's a natural order to how things work on this side of eternity. They've done studies, for example, and they found out that people who are more generous financially with their time tend to be more attractive you, this is an attribute that we actually admire in people. And it may not even be direct. This is, this is done repeatedly in studies that it may not even, you may not even know how generous they are on paper. You just know that they're a generous person that then makes them more attractive as a human. Therefore, more opportunities open up. You see how that's much more in the natural than just the supernatural give. So God can give back to you, give a seed. So God can give you a hundredfold back. No fam become the type of person that can steward wealth, become the type of person that can solve problems, become the type of person that can help people. And guess what? Usually, not always, but usually you will in in turn develop skill sets, solve people's problems, and by and large, becoming someone that attains wealth. Let's go deeper. Living on less than what you make. Everyone could do this. Everyone can restrict. Everyone could cut back eating out. Everyone could cut back frivolous spending. You live on less than what you make. Right? And then what? And then you develop scarce skills that actually the market demands and you go and solve other people's problems. And because you're a generous person, regardless of the percentage, you're going, you're going to attract more people to you because that's an attractive attribute. And so, well, guess what? You're going to be someone that people want to be around. And the, 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 the two things that impact your income is your skill set and your network. Considering you're of able body and sound mind, your skill set and your network. Okay, so if you have a great skill set, you have a unique skill set, you have a scarce skill set, and you have a network of people, meaning you have access to people because you built relationships, because you've been there for people. A lot of this stuff is way more in the natural than you think it is. So the issue with a Creflo Dollar is no disrespect to Creflo Dollar. I'm, I hope that he fully comes to the knowledge of how problematic some of this stuff is. I think the real issue is that I don't know if he quite understands how he got to where he got to, how much of it was ethical, how much of it was built on the back of guilt. All of these different things are actually connected. And so if we understand how money works, that money is neither good or bad. It's neutral. It's like a brick. You could take a brick and you could throw it through a window and start a riot, or you could take a brick and you can build a hospital 
hospital. Money is neutral. The love of money is where it becomes problematic. And so as we're considering these things, friends, hear me loud and clear that it's not just a God's going to provide your needs like you're some little bird and, and, and God is the big bird. You're the baby bird and God's going to do the chewing for you and then he's going to pull up and he's going to go and he's going to drop the food in your mouth. That's not how it works. You have a sound mind, you have a body, you can develop more skills, you can take care of yourself, you can look in the marketplace and see what problems are existing, how could I be a better asset to my employer, my current employer, to serve faithfully. And if we do these things, this is how you actually earn more money. This is how you're then positioned. And then we go, well, what about the people who can't? What about the people in other countries? What about the, what, what about the kids in the, in the foster care system? What about all of these things? And you know what? That is why we can earn money so that we can help the least of these. And so extra credit points. Go read Matthew chapter 25. Read the entire chapter, okay? There's two parables, and then there's the story of the least of these. And if you read Matthew chapter 25, you'll see that the parable of the talents goes right into caring for the least of these. That if you have the stewardship and the ability to earn more money, to be a blessing, right? You you should leverage that to help people who are hurting and who are struggling. And so it's 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 the practice practical material side that there's nothing wrong with it and when we did when we minimize what's happening in the natural because we want everything to be spooky and supernatural we want everything to be all about the metaphor if i just give the guy's gonna give back if i he just keeps right like you're not a little bird baby bird and god is not the big daddy bird that's gonna do all the chewing the hunting for you and drop a little food in your mouth that's not how it works and that's not how you want it to work right like walk through the natural process of what it means to be someone that that can attain wealth, that could be someone that solves people's problems, that could be a blessing to people. And if you do that, you will improve your situation. And you do that to help other people as well, okay? If you don't work, you don't eat. The, the, the New Testament says that he who does not provide for the needs of his family, specifically the needs of his immediate family, is worse than a non-believer and has denied the faith. We don't wanna talk about that part. It talks about those of you who were stealing should steal no longer, but find something useful to do with your own hands so that you can be a blessing to others. You can have something to share with others, right? This is the the more practical side that I wish. If you're gonna talk about the prosperity, just don't make it super duper spiritual. Let's talk about the practical side of how this stuff is done. Let's talk about how you build your skills up. Let's talk about how you become more generous with your time and your energy and your attention. Why? So that you could be a blessing to people and by and large, people will want to be around you. All of this stuff is connected, but we we diminish it to this spooky, spiritual God's just gonna do everything for you. And fam, that's not how it works. If you guys want to hear more of my thoughts on this conversation, I've reacted to some of the toxic teachings around money before. You guys could check out this video over here and how it really works. I think you find a lot of value from it. I'll see you guys over there, all right? Peace.